This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers this teaching entitled, Awakening to Prayer. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. All right, let's just start with being honest right off the top. Everybody here across campus is online. How many of you would have to raise your hand and say at some point in your life you've slept through the alarm clock? Hands up. You slept through an alarm clock. <laughs> Hands are up everywhere, of course. In other words, it's made you late for school or late for work or late for a, a sports event or a practice or something. It was several years ago. And we, four of us were, were on our way to a leadership conference uh, that, uh, that was kind of one of those invite-only conference things. And, 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 and we had to fly out early, which means the guys are going to pick me up at an ungodly early hour. And as I was sleeping, dreaming, I heard this pounding in my dream. And then I woke up to discover it was not a, a pounding in my dream. It, it, it was the guys at my bedroom window trying to wake me up. That's right. I, I, I slept through the alarm. And I had obviously hadn't shaved, showered, got dressed, or, and I hadn't packed either. Because I was going to do that all in the morning. Uh, so uh, to say the least, uh, while I raced and did as fast as I could, and, uh, we, and we raced toward the airport, it, it, was, it, was, it was not going to happen. We missed the plane, and it was just horrible. And I was humiliated, and we were all exasperated. And that's the price you pay. I mean, when, when, when you don't wake up, <laughs> there, there's a price that goes with it. Let, let, let's try another question. I'll own this one, too. I'll start. Hand up first. Uh, how many of you will admit that, that you have nearly nodded while driving? That like you've had that moment. <laughs> Way too many hands. <laughs> That's scary for all of us. I mean, that stuff's terrifying. Yeah, that, that moment where you're, you're like, and your car starts pulling off, and you're like, oh my goodness. I mean, this is terrifying. Bad stuff happens with that. And what we, you discover that you can fall asleep at the wheel. In fact, that's, that's almost like a catchphrase in our culture. We apply it. We say, like, you can fall asleep at the wheel as a parent and not be paying attention to how the culture is shaping your kids. Huge loss in that. You can fall asleep at the wheel in your marriage. And you just end, end up in the ditch. You can fall asleep at the wheel in your career, not be paying attention. And then, and then in time, you get a rude awakening. Listen, you can fall asleep at the wheel in your faith. That's what Paul's concerned about in Romans 13. I want you to look at this scripture with me. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off. Say it with me, everybody. And what? Doze off. That is fall asleep, oblivious to God. Be up and awake. Be up and what? Awake to what God is doing. And that brings us to our scripture today, which is in Luke chapter 18. Everybody here across campuses, grab your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 18. We're on page 1051 in your worship center Bible, it's right underneath your chair here. Or maybe you picked one up uh, when you, at one of the other campuses on the way in. And, and here on page 1051, Luke chapter 18, Jesus is giving us a wake-up call. That, that's how you got to read this. It, it's a wake-up call. It's like you're at the hotel and the call comes in. It's like you got to wake up. Jesus is saying you got to wake up to what's happening and you got to wake up to what's coming. Kind of like what's happening right now in Florida, right? I mean, we got friends here from Florida. Why? Be because a wake-up call has been sent out by, by the, the, the National Weather Service, by, by the governor of Florida saying, evacuate. Listen, what's happening right now and what's coming, Hurricane Irma, serious business. 
And yet you and I all know that, that there are people who are not going to take the wake-up call and, and people are going to lose their lives because they, they just they didn't take seriously what's happening and what's coming. Jesus is saying that in chapter 17. All the way into chapter 18 in verse 1, this is a wake-up call. Verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Right off the top, Jesus tells you what he's about to teach you. Jot this down in your notes. It's right there. Always pray and don't give up. That's the life lesson. Always what? Pray. Say it again. Always what? And don't what? Give up. Always pray and don't give up. In other words, wake up to the place and the priority and the power of prayer. Wake up to the place, the priority, and the practice of prayer. It is powerful. And listen, prayer is how you engage the real world. You might want to jot that down. I didn't put it in your notes, but you might want to jot it down. Prayer is how you engage the real world. God said, Jesus is saying, I want you to wake up to the real world. And here's what's going on. See, people often think, oh, the real world is the world you can physically see, and we get all wrapped up in ourselves, and we just think the kingdom of mankind, that is the big deal. That's all that really matters. But, but Jesus is helping us understand that the king, he is the king, the kingdom of God is really the big deal. It's the what deal? It's a big deal. And that really the kingdom of, of mankind, this is the little deal over here, but we think we're the big deal and we live in a world that says we're the big deal. And the truth of the matter is there's this massive separation between the kingdom of mankind, the kingdom of God. And, and, and Jesus is teaching in chapter 17, you need to know what real, what real kingdom you come from and kingdom returns and what kingdom's in charge. You need to be part of the real world, the big deal. In chapter 17, he's setting this up. Verse 26, he talks about Noah. He says, in the time of Noah and the flood, there was all kinds of unbelief. But Noah was a man who had belief, faith in God. And the world was saying that no flood is coming. Hurricane isn't coming. <laughs> There's no judgment of God. And so they're out carousing and living in unbelief. And it comes and they, they're destroyed because they didn't wake up. But Noah was a man of faith. Jesus talks further about faith and, and even his disciples say, oh God. I mean, literally saying right there to Jesus in verse five of chapter 17, a prayer, would you increase our faith? Increase our what? Faith. That's a great prayer, by the way. You ought to be offering that prayer in your life. In the midst of a world that is faithless. Chapter 20, in chapter 17, verse 28, Jesus continues to talk about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And at that time in Sodom and Gomorrah, people were living godless. They were living by their own standards and morals they had created, dismissing God, and, and Lot was living godly. And Jesus is saying, you ought to be like Lot. See, because they didn't believe that any judgment of God was coming, but it came. We live in a world that is godless and lives godless and says there is no God and it's irrelevant. We can set the standard and it doesn't matter. And then in chapter 18, verse 1, we just read, God says, Jesus is telling us, man, when you become a person of belief and faith-filled and godly, the thing you do next, because you understand it, is that you become prayerful. And because you are prayerful, you are powerful. Because you are prayerful, you experience the power of God. But you live in a world that is prayerless. And because they're prayerless, they're powerless. What do I mean by powerless? Well, they're powerless against self. 
I mean, we live in a world that says we should, we're all, it should be all about ourselves, and we, we, what really happens is we're going to be self-improving and, and, and self-help, but the truth of the matter is we're just selfish, and we, can't see, we don't have any power over it. And so we end up demonstrating and proving our lives that we can't get over ourselves. We can't get over our anger. We can't get over our bitterness. We can't get over our racism. We can't get over hatred. We can't get, we can't get over division. We can't get over divorce. We can't get over divisiveness. We can't get over our envy and our jealousy. We, we just can't get over ourselves. We can't get over our sin and our sexual sin. We just can't get over ourselves. We, we, we're powerless for the very things that are destroying our life. And Jesus says, listen, you come to God and you get right and believe. You get right in faith. You become faith-filled by the power of God. And you begin to walk with God and have the power of God live in you so you become godly. And you become prayerful and you get powerful. Then the fruit of the Spirit flows in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Powerful. So you pray. So he's telling us. Because prayer moves the heart and the hand of God for your good. Another one you might want to write down. If you don't understand prayer, prayer moves the heart and the hand of God for your good. For your what? Good, good. God on your behalf. And so in Luke chapter 18, verse 2, Jesus begins to lay out the parable. Look at it with me. It's right there. We're going to read it. Jesus said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) And the Lord said, listen, listen to what the unjust judge says. Verse seven, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Pause. This is not a parable of parallel. This is a parable of contrast. This is a parable that would motivate you to pray because you know who God is. He's in contrast to the unjust judge. So he says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? But I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Listen, you would pray because you understand the judge in contrast to God. The judge is wicked. God is good. The judge treats the woman as unimportant. God values you and treats you as important. You have to beg the judge to get any response. You don't have to beg God, but you do have to ask, seek, and knock. For God desires to do good, but it's triggered in prayer. And the judge, he helps reluctantly. God, he helps willingly. So pray always and don't give up, which means be in a running dialogue with God, in conversational prayer with God, be engaged with God. And particularly all the more in a world that as Christians, there is resistance, if not persecution. And when Jesus comes back, will he find you faithfully praying? Or do you drift in to dozing off? That's what we read in Romans 13. Don't be so absorbed in taking care of all your day-by-day stuff that you doze off, oblivious to God. Instead, be awake to what God is doing. Instead, be awake. Be what? Awake to what God is doing. A couple years ago, I had time of prayer, and the Lord, in that moment, and for the next several months, kind of a year, time, settled in on a conversation with me that started with, Kevin, you think too small, and you pray too small. Now, I disagreed with him. 
tried to help him. Some, have you ever had to help God? I've had to help God occasionally. The Almighty occasionally needs my contribution, so I was helping him. The long and short of the conversation was him whispering words like revival and awakening and saying, son, you keep praying for the next few thousand over the coming years that, that 12 stone can reach. When in fact you live in a territory of greater Gwinnett where there's a half a million people who don't know me and they're spiritually lost. You think too small, you pray too small. See, if I want to do a revival and awakening, I believe the Spirit of God said he desires to do that among us and in this territory. And it's not about 12 stone, way beyond 12 stone. Take hundreds of churches and be a move of God. It'd be supernatural, it'd be powerful. And there's more to say about it, but here's what I believe. There's an awakening that God desires to bring in this territory. We would get to be a part of it. And though he desires to do it, our role is to help pray it in. And so my role from that on, starting in June of 2016, I, I launched an awakening series and I had this conversation with you as a church. And, and part of my lead role now is to teach us to pray, to help you learn how to pray and engage, to practice Luke chapter 18. But you know, things are at risk when we do that. See, here's what I mean. What's at risk in our Christianity is that we start checking off and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm over here. I'm with, I'm, with, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you. I know the big deal is you. I know it's the kingdom of God. I'm your king. And, and, and so I start checking them off. Oh, yes, I believe. Faith-filled. Yes, I'm growing in that. Godly. Yes, growing in that. Prayerful. Ooh. No, actually, I'm more prayerless. Huh, which is why I'm powerless. See, something is seriously wrong when you start moving down this line and then you cross over here. Because those are incompatible. And what Jesus is saying is, wake up. Do what, church? Wake up. Prayerful is powerful. See, you could forget what's at risk is that you can forget. I can forget. We can forget that I cannot have the full, listen, that I cannot have the full engagement of God in my life unless I'm fully engaged in prayer. Did you hear that? I don't, I don't get the full engagement of God in my life unless I'm fully engaged in prayer. I don't get the full engagement of God over my marriage unless I'm praying over my marriage. I don't get the full engagement of God over my kids and their life and my family unless I'm praying. I don't get the full engagement of God in my career and my finances unless I'm praying over it. We don't get it in our church or small group unless we're praying. We don't get it in this community or this country unless we're praying. Listen, there is, there is more that God desires to do in your life and through your life and over your life than he is presently doing, and it's triggered by prayer. By what? Or prayer makes no sense. And I want all that God has. At some point in your life, you've got to reckon with the truth of God. You've got to reckon with the teachings of Jesus. That Jesus teaches us that you sh we should be prayerful, and prayerful is what produces powerful. And prayerless is powerless. In the 1800s, George Mueller was a college student. Loved to go to bars. Loved drinking, gambling. Loved being the life of the party, mocking Christians. So he went to a Bible study to mock Christians and got surprised. <laughs> the truth caught him off guard. And, and, and repeatedly going back moved him from being all about the little K kingdom of mankind to the kingdom of God. And he became a person by the spirit of God drawing him in of belief and faith filled and godly. And so the next thing is to be what? Prayerful. 
And, and he got awakened to that quickly because when his dad figured out as a college student that he had no more intentions of pursuing the path he was on, he became a Christian, his dad wasn't happy. And then he said, I want to be more a missionary. I want to help people move far from God to near God. His dad's like, I, you know what? I'm not even going to pay for your college anymore. You're on your own. You're cut off. And he was a desperate place. And he, the only thing he knew was to pray. And with literally within the hour of that prayer, God was merciful to this new young emerging believer. And gave him the equivalent of an internship that, that, that paid for the rest of his college. I mean, it was really a hand, miracle hand of God. That's where he learned to pray. He learned the power of prayerful is powerful. Because it moves the hand of God on your behalf. You engage the living God. So it's no wonder that years later when he's running his orphanage, and he's got 300 hungry kids who wake up the next morning and his associates say, we're serious trouble. I mean, we literally have no food for the kids. We're out. And he said, well, I want you to get all the 300 orphans ready cleaned up, dressed, and sitting at the breakfast table. And what did he do? He went and prayed. He said, God, these are your kids. You, you got to feed them breakfast. They're all ready. A knock came on the door. It was the baker. The baker said, oh, George, I got, I got woken up last night. God wouldn't let me sleep. Made me get up early, come in, bake bread for you. And I, I don't know if you need it, but I got bread here for the kids. He said, of course, bring it in. And very soon enough, another knock on the door, and it was the milkman. Man, my car just broke down, just, just right outside here. I can't get it fixed. The, car, the, the milk's going to go sour. I don't know what to do. Could you use some milk? He said, we sure could. Bring it on in. <laughs> Kids got fed. I love that story. Listen, at some moment in your life, you're going to have to get honest to God and reckon with the teachings of Jesus that tells you that prayerful is powerful and prayerless is powerless. And he wasn't joking around in Luke 18 when he said, wake up. This is the invitation of a lifetime. Pray always and don't give up. And that's why on Friday night, maybe 1,800, 2,000 of us gathered together for prayer. And I taught the, the 12 elements of prayer. And I heard from several along the way, we can't come to that gathering. Could you give us another time? Because your Friday night football and, and sports and the limited time to, to show up, would you give us a, a, another option? So the answer is yes, I will. So I'm going to do it on a Monday, October 23rd. Monday, October what? Jump in. You now have time to prepare. I put it on another night. I'm going to do the same thing. Why? Because it's part of my calling. Because I think God wants to stir in us the application of living out Luke 18. And, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm talking to at least three different groups of people. One is if you don't know how to pray. You're listening. You say, I know deep in my soul. I long to be a person who learned to pray. I don't know how to do that. Well, then October 23rd, I mean, you sign up, show up, and practice. No, you don't need to excuse it. You, you have the opportunity. It's right in front of you. Another group is those of you who know how to pray. But if you were honest, you've fallen asleep. And this is God's wake-up call to you today. Re-engage in prayer. So you sign up. You, you be there October 23rd, Monday night. Now you sign up, show up, and begin to pray and watch how God moves. Nothing like it. Maybe a third group, you're just in the group that says, you know, I'm just discouraged when it comes to prayer. I'm de deflated, defeated. And Jesus would say, don't give up. No, don't give up. And there's a reason he says don't give up because he knows the power of prayer. 
And sometimes while we're all on that journey, we need to just hear one another's story. And today I want you to hear the story of Amy Bell. In fact, I've limited my teaching time today so you could hear her story. So Amy, why don't you make your way and we'll just let them kind of reset some things behind me. Because when God uses someone else's story to affect our story, to speak into us and to kind of inspire us, but do more inspire us, to call us to act, to live out this always pray and never give up. That's the very story that she's been walking. Now, Amy, <laughs> Amy's not, um, how do we say it, Amy? You're not, you're not, this isn't a professional speaker thing that you do in the world. You're just, you're just one of us uh, coming courageously to share her story. So I know right now you'd want to encourage her and say, you go, Amy. Thanks for bringing your story to us. So thank you. So church, I want, I, I want you to listen in, and I know you'll say thank you at the end. You'll be encouraged by this, but let the Spirit of God speak to you as she tells you the journey they've been on to learn to pray and never give up. Amy, share your story. Well, good morning. My name is Amy Bell, and I've been attending 12 Stone for 17 years, and I've been humbled and privileged to serve on the worship team for 16 of those years. And I'm gonna introduce you to my family. Uh, this is myself, my husband Robert, and Ava, Sophie, Jace, and Colton. But pictures don't tell the whole story. There have been many times when my family has endured through suffering and crisis. We've had miscarriages, a life-ending car crash, infertility, and I wonder how many of you have suffered through crisis and trials of your own. I can tell you that prayer got us through. Our recent story of crisis and struggling and praying through uncertainty revolves around our daughter Sophie. When Sophie came into this world, she was happy and healthy, beautifully perfect in every way. And over the years, she became a beautiful 16-year-old who had competed in state swim meets and soccer. She was a key defensive player on her lacrosse team. She was first chair flute player and drum major. But little did we know that just prior to Thanksgiving this past year, we'd be facing our biggest crisis to date. As Sophie was at a neighboring high school at a final band competition, she began having debilitating headaches and vomiting. They sent her to the ER, and then they told us that she had bleeding on her brain and internal swelling. So she was admitted to the ICU, and we waited for days to find out what was the cause of this. They gathered teams of doctors together and specialists, and then they told us, Sophie had miraculously survived a ruptured AVM in her brain. This is an arterial venous malformation. It affects less than 1% of the population. It's basically a ticking time bomb. No one knows it's present until it ruptures. But Sophie's is at the very most central part of her brain where they can still operate. Any deeper operation would not be possible. So we pray and ask for God's mercy and ask for a miracle. We reach out to our 12 stone family and friends. We need a miraculous surgery. 
where the doctor can go through her brain in a matter that affects the least amount of brain tissue. So as the hours go by while she's in surgery, we pray, and then she comes through surgery. And I sat by her bedside, and I waited for her to regain consciousness. And as the hours went by, I prayed, and they went by and went by. Then I became unsettled as she was not waking up. And then the hours turned into days. And I reached out to our 12 Stone family again for prayer. They do a CT scan. And the AVM is gone, which is good news, but it doesn't explain why she's not waking up. And then they tell us she has suffered a complication. There's a blood clot that's lodged between the hippocampus and the thalamus portion of her brain, inhibiting the natural oxygen flow. We need another miracle and we need it fast. Every moment that passes, portions of her brain are being deprived of oxygen. But then they tell us if this clot dissolves and lodges in the brain stem, it's gonna be catastrophic, life ending. So again, pastors, worship team members, friends and family come and they pray. We hold vigil over her as we await day and night. And the roller coaster, it's unbearable for any parent. The ups and the downs, and it seems like we make one step forward, just have two steps back. And then 72 hours later, Sophie wakes up. But she's not alert, she's not coherent, she doesn't know who I am. And she can't speak. She endures these nights of screaming and moaning, but she can't talk and tell us what's wrong. So we call out for prayer again. Lord, please, please have a miracle. And then the night of November 28th changed everything. Sophie began foaming at the mouth and shaking violently. And then she was unresponsive. The entire team of doctors on the ICU comes in and Code Blue is called. They begin working on her. Sophie's in crisis and she's fighting for her life. I call out for prayer again. Pastor Mark Eichen rushes to be with us at the hospital. And then the chaplain walks in. And I try to turn him away because I know what that means and I can't face that. So I call Pastor Chris and his wife Mary Ann and daughter Annie and son-in-law Rudy stay on the phone praying fervently, interceding on my behalf. And then Mary Ann begins prophetically proclaiming, Sophie, come back in the name of Jesus. We call you back. Sophie, come back. And the nurses and doctors are working on her. They're rubbing her and pounding on her, saying, Sophie, 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 wake up. And we are told she is now the number one patient in the entire hospital. 
And they're able to stabilize her finally. But then the next morning, when the lead neurosurgeon who's supposed to be on vacation comes walking in, we knew this wasn't a good sign. He sat us down to go over the new images and the test results. And he told us, Sophie had suffered a massive stroke. It had impaired four portions of her brain, wiped out her entire right side, leaving her with right-sided paralysis. But his main concern was for her memory. She's gonna have to relearn even basic skills like how to swallow, how to eat and how to drink, how to walk and how to talk. She's gonna have to relearn the alphabet, learn how to read and write left-handed. And as her feeding tube and brain drain and all the other tubes are removed, we've spent Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all these past months in the hospital in rehab. But as her language skills came back, she was able to recall to me some of the memories that she had in the hospital that she was unable to tell me when she was nonverbal. And one of her main memories was that night when she was in the fight of her life. And she said her body had been in so much agonizing pain for weeks on end. She just needed the pain to go away. So as her body gave out, she said her mind just kind of rose above and she was in this peaceful, painless state. And she said she could see the doctors and nurses working on her. She said some of the nurses had sort of a warmth and a glow about them. She called them her angels. And she said they began to lead her away. And as she left the room, she said one end of the hospital was cold and dark, but where she was headed was warmth and lit up and peaceful. And in a distance, she said she could quietly hear her name being called. And then she said it got louder and more urgent. And I said, what were they saying? And she said, they were just saying, Sophie, Sophie, Sophie. And my eyes welled up with tears. I knew that exact moment she was talking about when we collectively as a church and as a family were praying those words over her. And I asked her, I said, what did you do? And she said, I didn't wanna go back. I was pain free, but I could see the distress and the worry on everyone's face. So as my name was being called over and over and over again, she said, she rolled her eyes and said, okay, fine. <laughs> and I laughed through my tears. That's so typical of Sophie to put herself aside for the needs of others. But I told her, I said, Sophie, I believe the call for you to come back went beyond our lips went beyond the lips of the doctors and nurses. I believe the call for you to come back was God's call in direct response to our faithful prayers. And Sophie still has a long journey ahead of her, but she's recovering 
and God spared her life. He granted us miracles. And I know that he has set her apart to do great things for his kingdom. Thank you for listening to Sophie's story and my journey of learning how to pray and never give up. Thank you, Amy. Now, you know, I, we need to hear stories like that. And I was given with such heart and such courage and honesty. And, you know, we're all very aware that Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble. It's a broken world. It's, 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 it's sin infested and we're all carrying our own list of, dear God, we need your help. And things that are beyond our control and a dependency we don't even always understand. But I long for God to bring his next level awakening in my own life. For all of us. Awakening across our church and other churches in this territory. The next and the more that God would give. I want the full engagement of God in my life. I mean, don't you? Isn't that something you long for? And so we're going to do more than talk about prayer. We're going to pray. It's part of the intent of this unique weekend on awakening. But before we pray and set aside moments to prayer, we're, we're going to offer God a, a prayer and song. The band has written a, a, a new song on awakening, and we're preparing to, to share in that song. And it's really a declaration of our hearts. It's a prayer in the form of a song. So would you stand with me? Just everyone, let's stand together. I know it's a new song. We're debuting it this weekend. We'll tell you at the end how you can get access to this song. But this, this song is our ask back to God of the very things he desires to do and we agree with God on. And so would you just let this be a sacred moment, but you engage the song.
So, Father, we stay in this spirit of prayer before you, longing for you to do what you desire to do and what we could never do, all of us at different places. And so, church, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. 
For some of you, it may seem, well, that's kind of odd. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how, how we go do that. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. Maybe you've never prayed. But you know, you showed up. Why don't you just take a moment? We're going to give just a few minutes. Why don't you take a moment to, to pray? I'll give you a little detailed instruction, but in a moment you can sit down or you can stay standing. Just start praying. Maybe you say, God, I don't know if I believe in you. I don't know if I believe all this. I don't know that you can move. Well, you start praying. Give it your shot. Invite him. Maybe. Maybe you know how to pray, but you've fallen asleep and God's awakening you and this is a big deal day for you. Maybe you need God to do the kinds of things that Amy was talking about, meaning you got a burden of your own or a burden for someone you love or something that's weighing on you. And I'm, I'm going to have the pastors and some key leaders. They're already going to come and already preparing to be at the front here. And we're literally going to invite you if you want to be prayed over for anything that you, that's weighing on you. You can just leave your seat, come forward, be prayed over, go back to your seat. That's fine. That's part of what these few minutes of prayer are going to be. Let it be sacred. God invites us in. Hey, maybe, just maybe, you've given up on a prayer and God's whispering to you right now, don't give up on that prayer. And you've gotten discouraged and he said, no, no, bring that prayer back to me. I'm not done. So this is kind of an open prayer time for the next few minutes. I'll close the service in time. Don't worry about it. This isn't going on forever, though we may need it to go on Longer, we'll give you time after the service is dismissed. If you need more time, that's fine. But let's honor this right now. Maybe, maybe you're going to sit down and you can do that right now. Maybe you want to remain standing, that's fine. Maybe you need to step out of the aisle and that'll take some courage for you to just take a move and say, I need somebody to pray with me. And whatever situation, to pray with you over something you're carrying or to pray with you over someone that you're burdened about or a family situation, maybe it's a financial situation. So you can remain standing, you can be seated. People will make room. You just start moving. If they're praying or they got their eyes closed, just tap them. They'll let you get out of the aisle. It's not a problem for you to get out of your row and, and, and come be prayed over. We're just going to have a season of prayer before God. So Father, some of us are standing. Some of us are going to be seated. Some of us are coming forward to pray. Some of us need to make an altar right where we are right now. Some of us are going to pray for the first time in a long time. Some of us are saying, I got to return to prayer. And we're going to bring to you the things that burden us. the disciples prayed increase my faith and some of us listening to this prayer know that that's our prayer Lord would you increase my faith I want to be a person who figures out how to pray and come to you I just feels awkward to me I don't know how to get there I don't know how to pray on my own I don't know how to pray with my spouse or a friend I don't know how to pray with my family I just I don't know how to get into this thing of prayer God I pray that this would be a beginning of a breakthrough even now, God, some of us saying, I'm going to be there October 23rd. And this is no small thing. It's not just a thing to do. It's our commitment to say, God, would you teach me to pray? And right now, we're just starting to talk to you. And we're saying, well, Father, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but I'll talk to you. Help me. Here's the things I'm traveling through. Could you help me with this? 
God, I don't know how to hear from you. Would you help me? God, here's the things I'm concerned about in my relationships. Would you help me? God, here's what I'm facing in work. I don't know how to get through this. Would you help me? God, here's the burden in finances. I carry that heavy. Would you help me? God, I got some fear. I got some anxiety. I got some worry. Can I bring my worry to you? Right now, prayer is just being offered up. I got, here's the worry. Here's the fear. Give that to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, bring your requests to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God, for those who are desperate for your peace and carrying anxiety and worry, would you do a work among them as they offer their prayers to you right now and just begin to speak to you the things that they carry that are heavy and fearful and worrisome and anxious producing. Some of us are where Amy is. We got a health situation of our own or a loved one. Or we got a burden that weighs on us or we want to pray for it, therefore intercede for someone else. And as our prayers are being offered up to you, oh God, would you be merciful and kind? Would you engage your hand? God, there are things that we desperately need you to do, so we need the full engagement. How, how, could, we, how could we make it unless your power is exercised over our lives and in our lives? So, so we're asking you, and you might be offering that prayer. God, I need your power to walk this and sustain this. And Father, some of us are going to pray for our marriage right now. We're going to say, God, my marriage has gone adrift. I've fallen asleep at the wheel. I don't know how to return the love that we once had. I think our marriage might be over. I think our marriage is in desperate places. Or I'm drifting. God, help me. And some are praying for the restoration of their marriage. Some of us, God, are praying over our kids right now. And we're saying, dear God, I want my kids to have the life you have for them. I want them to do better than I did. God, I want them to know you and walk with you. And we're going to pray prayers of provision over the life of our kids. Prayers of protection right now. Parents, it matters that you pray for your kids. Offer your kids before God right now. Speak their name to God the Father. He's entrusted them to you. They're his kids. They're yours as well. You pray. Ask for God to cover over them. You have wishes and hopes and prayers for your kids. Speak them to the Lord. Ask, seek, and knock. Here's what's going on with my son, my daughter, my family. Oh, God, could you intervene? God, could you interrupt? God, could you provide? God, would you protect? God, I don't understand all this awakening stuff, but I wish that you would. I wish that you would. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe you don't know the words to offer to God and you're just kind of stumbling. That's okay. Your heart communicates to him. God, we would pray for those who are far from you but near us. Many of us have family members and friends, co-workers and neighbors who don't know you. We've tried to reach out to them. We're going to invite them to at the movies. And we're praying, God, that you would open a door of invitation. It's a simple handing of a card or an invitation. But God, we pray that you would stir in them and draw them in. And we pray that this would be more than a fun series. We pray that it would be a series of faith. That we would celebrate the story of many people coming to know you and being restored to you. And you changing their lives for you and you alone transform us so God we pray for the invitations that are going out we pray for the names of people in fact right now you might just begin to think about what are the names of the people right now who are you going to invite 
If you're listening to this prayer, maybe that's the prayer you join in. God, bring to mind the people I, I should be inviting. And I'm giving you the names of the people and I'm saying, oh God, draw them in. Draw them in. Bring awakening to them, oh God. Some have just offered in these minutes a prayer to you, God, that they gave up on. Could you, would you, gracious Father, be so kind as to interrupt what's going on in my life and involve yourself more intimately and help me in the very thing that I've kind of given up on. And you've stirred me today and said, don't give up on that prayer. Don't give up on that prayer. Come back to me. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. I'll change your heart while I answer the prayer. These and more we would ask in Jesus' name. Amen.